welcome to episode 957 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by our Patreon supporters and the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer, joined, this is the last time I guess I'll get to say this, by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello, Sam. Hello. Do you normally say that I'm at Baseball Prospectus? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. All right. Well, yes. Hello. (laughs) That part will change. We are talking to a guest today. Many of you saw the premiere of Pitch last night on Fox, and we're going to talk about that, but we're going to get into a slightly larger discussion about the way that baseball is portrayed on screen. Many times over the years that we've been doing the show, we've talked about some shoddy depiction of baseball in media of some sort, and we've said, just call us. Why don't people ask us to just check over the baseball scenes before they before they put them out in the world? And the reason that they don't call us is because they call our guest instead today, Mike Fisher, who is the baseball coordinator on pitch. He did the same job for Moneyball. He's been a basketball coordinator, a football coordinator. He is constantly coordinating. Mike, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be on. Yeah, so I've been wanting to talk to someone who does your job for quite some time. So I would gather from what I've read that you kind of made this into a job, that you were just the, the guy on set who knew a lot about sports and you kind of did this informally for a while and then you turned it into a career? Is that more or less how it happened? Well, I mean, that's kind of, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, they say, how did you get your job or how did you, you know, get your career going? I just say it's a series of poor decisions. But no, I just got involved uh, a long time ago. When I first moved out here, I got involved with a movie called Everybody's All-American. Uh, I was a quarterback in that, the thing with Dennis Quaid and John Goodman. And, and uh, we shot that down in Louisiana at LSU. So it kind of got me going, got me in the Screen Actors Guild and that was 29 years ago, and so I've been plugging away ever since. So I've been very, I've been very fortunate. And so, can we just boil down the job description to you? Make sure that the baseball looks like baseball, the football looks like football, the basketball looks like basketball. Can you uh, go into a little bit more detail well, and tell us what's involved? It's really a process. You know, it all starts with a script, and you know, and then we got to see how many. Uh, you know, like say for a movie like Remember the Titans that I did, you know, we had a lot of actors that were in that. So, and I think depending on what genre you're doing, whether you're doing football, basketball, or baseball, it really changes the dynamics of my job. But it really starts with the script. Okay, how many, uh, you know, how many actors or athletes in it? So, like in Titans, for example, there was a bunch. So I'm evolved a little bit. I might not be have really any say so over the, you know, the, the star of the movie. But, you know, there's a collaborative process and the whole casting of the actors. You know, I love it when we get an actor that has some athletic ability, <laughs> uh, like we have in pitch with, uh, with, with Kylie. Or if just, I'm just using uh, Titans as an example. Our quarterback, for people that remember that movie, our quarterback was really good. But some of the other guys weren't as good. So it's bad, and it's coming up with a budget. It's coming up with, uh, you know, how are we going to rehearse this, you know, What's the best way to shoot it? I mean, it's 50 different things, but it's really, it's, it's just a process. So it's really, I tell people, it's no different really than a stunt coordinator that's, you know, planning a bunch of car chases or, or you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a stunt-related thing. Uh, but it's a process. That's kind of a long-winded answer. So I think it's, it's more, the easy part is when you get to set and, okay, does this look real? Uh, that's kind of the easy part. It's leading up to that. That's the tricky part. 
and football certainly the most difficult because of all the uh, the hits and uh, potential injuries and stuff like that. This is sort of rephrasing the question, but like you would look at this, would you look at the script before anybody has been cast and and talk about and talk to them about the script? Would you be in the room when they're casting, or are you only there when it's on set? I'm I'm curious. I, I guess a simpler way of asking this is. How many different times would you be involved in consulting on a certain project, and like how much time does it take? You know what? I, I'm, I'm, of course, you know every project. If it's a really hardcore sports project or something, you know where there's a lot of sports element, like a, lot of, a, a big sports element. To, I'm pretty involved from the very beginning. You know, uh, there's a couple projects now that are, you know, talking about uh, potentially getting greenlit and. And they talked to me, you know, I talked to the director, you know, before he's even taken the job. I talked to the producers when they're, you know, interviewing directors or I get my they get my input on what would be the best approach to that. Because shooting sports because of the stadium element is very expensive. So, you know, how can we minimize the days in a stadium? You know, like on pitch, you know, one of, you know, one of the great things about it is, is that we get to go to Petco Park or we get to go to Dodger Stadium. Uh, but that's expensive, you know. So I'm involved from, you know, you know, if it's just like one scene in a movie, you know, it's a little high school football scene or something, then maybe not so much, not involved so much. Like I did Ninja Turtles 2, we shot that at Madison Square Garden. So that was just a week of shooting. So I wasn't involved in the whole movie process with uh, Ninja Turtles. But, you know, movies like... Uh, Moneyball or something, I'm certainly more involved from the very beginning. Four months, three or four months easily. And you sort of maybe have answered my next question when you mentioned the Ninja Turtles, but we sometimes talk about, well, for instance, uh, Will, um, we, uh, Ben wrote a long piece about the TV show Elementary, which spent about, I don't know, four minutes of one episode with TV in the background, baseball on TV in the background, and Full House did one episode uh, at AT&T Park, and we'll sometimes talk about even a, a commercial. We did, we talked about a commercial for like an energy drink. Uh, how common is it to have somebody like you, uh, involved or on the set if it's not explicitly a sports movie or a sports project? Basically, you know, on a TV show, if, if something's really background, you know, then they've gotten, you know, just extras perhaps from central casting or something, and they probably don't have, uh, any, you know, in the budget, they don't have uh, the money for a technical advisor or something like that. So I would imagine in those instances, there's probably not anyone. There's just a first AD or second AD out there kind of winging it. And is there a lot of uh, competition in the coordinator community? Are there a few kind of go-to people who have this job and you, you compete for the cushy contracts? Yeah, there's uh, in, the, in, the, in the movie world... I have some competition. There's a couple other gentlemen that have that are always in the mix. Uh, commercially, you know, I've probably worked on, you know, 85% of all the big Nike spots for the last 15 years. So I do all the Nikes, the Gatorades, and so forth. So I don't have – I'm pretty kind of much the dominant guy in, in the commercial world. But there is some competition in the movies, you know. Uh, I don't get them all, unfortunately. But I was very fortunate to get pitch. So that's the only one we care about right now. So right. I'm very happy to be doing TV. Having This is my first opportunity to, to, to be 
on a, a series full time. So it's been very exciting. And do you find that it is? Uh, I, I, is there much tension between what you uh, recommend as far as making it realistic and the director or the screenwriter or you know the producer whose uh, loyalty is more to the story than to the sport? and say, well, we just want to have that guy hitting 480. We don't care if that's unrealistic. It makes our point better. Well, that's a great question. Ultimately, when it's all said and done, the producers have, had, have hired the director, and, uh, you know, it's his baby. It's, you know, he, he's the quarterback out there, and so ultimately it's his, it's his decision to make. So all I can do is say, hey, this is what I suggest. This is what would happen. You know, this is more realistic. And if he wants to take some creative license, you know, that's certainly his prerogative to do that. Now, fortunately, on a show like Pitch, the writers have done a really good job. I mean, so there's not a whole lot. I mean, I know there's a little creative license on the pilot, but for the most part, they've done a really good job. Uh, but it's a great question because a lot of times you get the script and, man, it is just some of them are not very well written and it's just outrageous. Or the director, he's from, uh, you know, he's from Chile and he's never been to a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game. So you get some pretty, pretty crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, I would say most times that everybody is on the same page and that they want it to be as realistic as possible and they usually defer to me. And I can say, I, you know, give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It just depends project to project. Not every project's the same. So before we get into detail about last night's episode, what are the most common mistakes you see in baseball specifically, but could be any sport? What are the, the common mistakes you see and, and maybe any memorable ones you've seen that were particularly funny or egregious that might come to mind? Here, here's the real challenge is that when you have a, a, a movie or a commercial, but particularly a movie, how many actors do you have, you know, on your baseball team or on your basketball team or on your football team? And A, do those actors have any athletic ability whatsoever? <laughs> so, if, I mean, you can get some actors that have a little bit of athletic ability, and then you can get some that are absolutely terrible. Now, in football, we put a helmet on the guy and we get a double. Basketball and baseball is much trickier because, Unless you're an incredibly wide shot, you know, and the, and, the, and the player's the size of an ant, you realize that you recognize them. So the really egregious things that you see is when you've got an actor, you know, tr catching a ball at third base or pitching or whatever that has zero athletic ability. It's, uh, you know, we always have football camp or baseball camp or basketball camp, but the truth is, is that if you can't play, no two or three week basketball camp or baseball camp is going to turn you into, you know, into, you know, Mike Trout or Bryce Harper these days. It's just not going to happen. So the things that you see and you just turn your head and you go, wow, that was, oof, that was bad. It's usually because the actor's really bad. But, you know, they're not getting paid to, to, you know, play baseball. They're getting paid to act. So that's why, that's why I like to get involved early in the casting process. Like, for example, Moneyball, you know, they, the director was Bennett Miller. And everyone that you saw in Moneyball, all the players, even the scouts, everybody you saw was real, was legit, with the exception of Chris Pratt, who played Hatterfield. And he, 
I can say this about Chris. Chris was athletic to start with, and Chris put in a lot of work. I had him in the batting cages at USC for like two months before we ever filmed Moneyball. But in, in that particular case, the director, it was so important, the realism, that uh, everybody was real. Every, every extra, every single person. You know, we had, you know, I must have saw a thousand people for that movie. And uh, so I think that's one reason Moneyball, a lot of people like that. And they said, man, hey, that seemed really real. It's because everybody was real, even the scouts. So I like it when, you know, when we get as much talent as possible up front. Yeah, Moneyball, I think, is the gold standard. And you look at movies where, I mean, you really see when people try to film pictures uh, how, like, the what a huge gap there is between a major league pitcher and just a normal athletic adult male. Because it really is hard to convincingly deliver a pitch. Uh, and um, so one of the things that um, I think this is the first time I've seen it. And by the way, we're, I, I just want to say that, like, generally speaking, I thought pitch was really great at this. I, I thought, like, especially narratively, the I think her career arc showed a lot of understanding of player development uh, and the rhythm of a baseball career. Uh, and uh, I, I just thought there were so many notes that hit just right. Was that, um, what is the background of the writers and, and or showrunner that might have informed that? You know, like Rick Singer, Kevin Falls, Dan Fogelman, all those guys. You know, those guys are pretty uh, baseball savvy. So I think you've got, if for pitch, you've got the perfect combination. You know, you've got some, you've got excellent writers that understand uh, and producers that, you know, understand the basics of baseball, have a good understanding of it. They're fans of the game. And in our case, you know, with Kylie, Kylie is just, uh, you know, I, I can't stress the first time I saw Kylie throw, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. We mm-hmm. hit a home run. This girl's very athletic. I mean, you know, she's, she's pretty, she's funny, she's sweet, and she's very athletic. She's got the whole package. So if Kylie, no matter what was written, if Kylie was just didn't have an athletic bone in her body, I think – Everybody would just be like, oh, this is awful. But Kylie's very athletic, and Kylie's worked very hard at it. So I think that that's, you know, her plus the writers, you know, gives, has a chance to make pitch special. Yeah, she was, she was very convincing. Her repertoire, as it was described, was very convincing. I, I thought that really everybody in the clubhouse looked like baseball players. Like, they didn't just look like athletes. They actually looked like they had baseball player dimensions, which I thought was really good. And one thing about pitch that I don't think I've ever seen, maybe I have, maybe you'll tell me that I have, but I don't think I've ever seen a CGI ball in order to solve the problem of how do you make a realistic looking pitch. Uh, is that new? Is that new for this show? Is that relatively new? And does it make your job, you know, much easier? Well, we call them magic balls. Mm-hmm. You know, we used uh, some uh, visual effects, you know, like the home run and uh, money ball that had a field hit. That's a visual effect shot. But, no, I think I think they've done a great job with it. I think, you know, with the truth is, I mean, you know, Kylie's not going to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball in real life. So I think there's instances where we need to, to help her. You know, there's scenes, you know, like a scene where she's batting. You certainly don't want to take a, the chance of, even though I have a real pitcher throwing to her, you don't want just – can't ever take a chance of her getting hit or something. But visual effects, uh, I thought they did a great job. And, you know, I'm looking for it, and I know when it comes up. So I think the fact that you that you bought it last night watching the show, I think that's, a, you know, a, a testament that they did a great job. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you uh, 
you know, that you uh, thought it was pretty realistic. And does the cooperation with Fox and with Major League Baseball make your job much easier? I mean, if you if you had to make this look like a real Major League Baseball game and broadcast and you didn't have Ken Rosenthal and Joe Buck and John Smoltz and, you know, the actual on-screen graphics, I imagine that makes this uh, a little more convincing at the very least. Well, I think the two things that make my job really easy is a you mentioned the clubhouse and the other Padres. All those guys, all her teammates, are real players. We had, you know, we had, you know, real tryouts for the show. So everybody that's one of our core Padres, they're all players. They all played at least college baseball. A couple of them got drafted, so they're all legit guys. The fact that you know, for me as a fan, when I watch a movie, and if they're trying to be a, a, a pro baseball team, but they're, if, I think if we were the San Diego uh, dolphins or something and we didn't have mlbs we didn't have the real uniform and the real stadium and we were faking everything you know for me as a as a as a fan or a spectator of a show that would take me right out of it so i fact the fact that we do have mlbs cooperation we do have the real stadium we do have the real uniform we've got the fox camera views we've got the, the real announcers to me, that is just, it's a must. And I think that's really, if we didn't have all those pieces, then we wouldn't have the show that we have. So I, I think it's critical that we have all that. So, um, all right. So we are extremely pedantic when it comes to this stuff. That is uh, why we notice it. It's why we're having you on right now. So forgive me, but I am now going to uh, to pick apart a few things I saw. Mainly, not because not I want to shame the show. I, like I said, I think the show did a great job. But I'm curious to know the process of, of how or why things still slip through that, uh, like literally one person in the world might notice, uh, but that person is me. Um, okay. all right. So in the first inning, uh, she walks the first batter and then she throws a wild pitch and the guy on first goes all the way to third. And then l- later in the inning, she throws another wild pitch and the runner scores from third. And the announcer says third wild pitch of the inning. And, of course, that couldn't happen because the runner went from first to third on the first wild pitch and went home on the second. So do you have any insight into um, why third wild pitch would slip through? Is is it a thing where maybe the script is changing as you go, where maybe the uh, in the editing process? You must have DVR'd this thing and ran it back a few times. I think it's right there. I'm I mean, telling you, this is why we get so... I'm telling you, this is why we get so annoyed. Yeah. (laughs) I I only watch it one time, but I watch very closely. Okay. Well, no, hey, good. Uh, (laughs) Well, okay. My response to that would be A, that uh, there was, that the the announcers, a lot of that stuff was filmed before we did some of the action and that the script script changed over the edit to speed up the game and speed up the inning. So that's probably, uh, if we had shot the dialogue with the actors, or the announcers afterwards, we probably would have got that right. But that's an editing thing. Uh, or, you know, there was a wild pitch. It went to the backstop. It hit a pole, ricocheted back to the catcher so <laughs> fast that the guy did not have time to run him. So so we got – I'm going to blame it on editing, <laughs> the script. I think it would be a I, time cut. We actually saw every pitch up to that point, I believe. So <laughs> – I'm not get. I'm not letting you off that easily. But I did. I assumed it was. I mean, you're. I assume that you're editing. Not you, but 
the show is there's like a ton of things that go into putting a show together and they're in a sense they're all being edited quote unquote edited independently of each other so that you can have the the package ready to go and i i would imagine it's very difficult to make sure that it all lines up perfectly and if you make a slight tweak you don't think that a slight tweak uh in you know maybe editing one one shot would affect, you know, Joe Buck's dialogue, and, and that seems like it'd be really easy to slip through. Slip through. I thought um, you were going to get on me about the guy going making it from first all the way to third on a wild pitch, and I was going to say that he was off and running yeah. such a good jump. <laughs> and that when uh, the catcher went back there, he picked up the ball, but he, he slipped, and he, he dropped it the first time, but we, we cut around that. You didn't see that. Yeah, I, I, I thought about that as well when it happened, but to me that's a, that's a judgment call. And I wouldn't let you off that easily on that either because we had the announcers as our soundtrack, and they would have said he was off and running. And so I wouldn't give you that. But uh, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with the runner going from first to third on a wild pitch. In fact, it frustrates me that more major leaguers don't go first to third on a wild pitch. Okay, second one. Second one is that when she leaves with one out in the top of the seventh. She is she has gone six and a third innings. In her first outing, of course, she did not get an out. So we know that she has six and a third innings in her career for the season. And in the background, on the scoreboard, her ERA reads 5.14. It is impossible to have a 5.14 <laughs> ERA. I, I went through all the iterations of what which runs could be earned or unearned, but it doesn't matter whether it's three, four, five, six, seven. There is no ERA possible with six and a third innings that is 5.14. So, uh, again, uh, like, I, nobody noticed that. I promise you're fine. Wow. Your job is safe. Wow. But how, how does it happen? Who is responsible? Mainly my question is, who is responsible for the background scoreboard in the production of a TV show? Well, that's going to be, you know, obviously that was done later and that was done in post. And I remember... We had a conversation about the ERA, so I thought we got that right. I don't. It's been so long ago. I mean, we did the pilot back in what, February or something. I don't remember. I'm gonna blame that. Uh, I'm gonna blame that on someone, but I don't know. But I, the, the scoreboard was done in afterwards in uh, in post production. But there was a conversation about that. But wow, that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> I, I, sometimes you just got to tip your cap. You just got to say, well, that's good. And then the last one is not uh, is not a mistake. But I'm curious about the process of it. The managers uh, got a whiteboard in his office, and I spent a long time staring at that whiteboard and trying to figure out what it could possibly be, like what he is diagramming, what the words mean. And so I'm just curious where the whiteboard comes from. Who is responsible for the whiteboard, I guess, in a scene like that? Okay, well, that's, you know what, now that's one that I did catch also, and that was one of those where it was just, you know, the people that come in and dress the set, you know, the the designers, I have no idea what that is on that board. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. could not, I... There's a couple other things you miss, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> but that, uh, I have no idea. I don't know if that's like Beijing subway system or <laughs> things. I have no idea what that is on that board. I thought, yeah, I thought the manager might be installing a hot tub at his home and he was designing the platform. <laughs> Yeah, an irrigation system in his front yard, a PCP pipe. I, I have no idea. 
But we did catch that bit. That, as we say in this business, that ship had sailed. <laughs> that ship had sailed. So. Yeah. I thought you were going to get on me about her having a bunch of conversations with people before the game. Mm. I thought that's where you were going to go. I did think that it was sort of odd that she was meeting the general manager of the organization that she'd been in for five years for the first time. But I mean, you have to like, that's an, that's an example of what I was talking about where, you know, your, your loyalty is probably first to the drama and you need to have that introduction to set up both characters. And it makes perfect sense if you're writing, you know, a script, a novel, whatever, that you would want that interaction where they, they meet there. And so I was able to get past it. The ERA is a much, 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 much smaller thing, but also there's no, there's no upside to having an ERA that jumps out at, you know, at somebody, right? At one person. One person, world. yeah. <laughs> no, that was a good, you know, but there, there was, like, when she talked to some of the, we had, we had a couple scenes where she talked to the fan, you know, a couple fans before the game, in her uniform right before the game started. So some of that stuff we were, we, we got rid of because it was just like, okay, we, that would never happen. But for the most part, for the most part, you have, you, your keen eye has, you know, you know, picked up a couple of things. But for the most part, I thought we did a pretty good job. And I think going forward, we'll, we'll be even better. So, but at the end of the day, you know, you're never, you're never going to get everything exactly perfect. It just won't happen. So you just try to get it 99% right. And uh, it's a very collaborative process with hundreds of people involved, post-production, visual effects, props, set dressing. You know, there was a couple, there was a couple extras that sh snuck into a couple shots last night that, that made me a blink or that shouldn't have been there that didn't look like ballplayers. But for the most part, you know, I thought we did a pretty good job. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, I really, I would congratulate you. I thought that uh, it sets a, a, you know, it definitely sets a standard that most shows don't come close to, in my opinion. Do you get a, uh, like a final review, like a final cut of the show at some late date where you can just take one look at it after it's all been edited together and this is the final version just in case there's some glaring thing you could still find? Yeah, I mean, it's just like the, 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 the whiteboard thing. Like, we caught that, but, you know, yeah. you know, we're not going to reshoot that scene over that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we caught that. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, but on some of that stuff, it's just, you know, like I said, the ship sailed or it'd be too expensive to go back and fix it or... You know, it's just, but yeah, we, we get it, but sometimes even, you know, after the fact, you can't do anything because it's, it's too expensive to fix it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we have been wanting to have this kind of conversation for a long time. We will be watching and enjoying the show. If you uh, want to come back on after every episode so we can point out everything we spotted, you're, you're welcome to make this a recurring spot. We would love that. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, hey, guys, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, thank you for making, you know, hey, you know, you guys like that, you know, make us raise our game. You know, we got to, you know, we got to bring our A game every week. So, uh, but no, hey, thanks for having me on. And uh, anytime uh, you guys want to chat, just let me know. All right. And uh, if you are in charge of a baseball show or a sports show of some sort, don't make the mistakes that other showrunners have made. Go look up Mike Fisher. You can find information about him and contact him at MikeFisherOnline.com. Mike, thanks again. Great talking to you. Thanks, guys. All right, that will do it for today. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. 
Five listeners who have done so already, James Stunden, Mark Fenster, Scott Rosen, Dale Schneider, and Andrew Taylor. Thank you. You can buy our book, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, our wild experiment building a new kind of baseball team. Go to the website at theonlyruleisithastowork.com for more information. Please leave us a review on Amazon and Goodreads if you like it. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. And you can rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription to the Play Index by going to baseballreference.com and using the coupon code BP. And you can contact me and Sam via email at podcast at baseballperspectus.com or by messaging us through Patreon. If you want to listen to another podcast about pitch, Michael Bauman and I talked to the showrunner as well as the two women who played for the Stompers about their impressions of pitch on Tuesday's episode of the Ringer MLB show. And we also did a fun one that's up today. We talked to Dan Heron about Madison Bumgarner and unwritten rules. And then we talked to Dodgers broadcaster Joe Davis about Vin Scully. So have a nice weekend. Sam and I will talk to you next week. not that hard, Scott. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. Hey, anything worth doing is, and we're going to teach you.